0: Seth here for another session of Winning Words. I'm so excited as we come to the end of 2021. Today, we have a podcast gift to you that you can give away. As my listening audience knows, we speak life into people. Today, we're going to talk about the power of influence of others, and it can be you the influence you have on people that are in your circle of influence. And so today joining me is Doug Burton, one of my best friends, but he's connected to and he's been influenced by a man that I would call a legend in leadership circles, in coaching circles, and in influence circles. I'm mm. speaking about we're going to talk about none other than the famous frosty uh, forest frosty westerly <laughs> and you might wonder well what's Doug Burton's connection to frosty westerly well Doug tell us what connection you had you still have in some ways still have. because frosty yeah. lives in you every day amen yes. Amen to that
1: uh, I had the, uh, the amazing opportunity, Ross, to play football for Frosty Westring for four seasons. I was at PLU for four and a half years, uh, um, and, but had my all four years of my eligibility playing for Frosty. So was very heavily influenced by Frosty on the field. Uh, and then had the opportunity through just building a relationship with Frosty, even after I had graduated and moved on in the business realm, staying close and connected to the PLU program. So, uh, yeah, Frosty uh, was a significant influence in my life, uh, continues to do that, uh, or to, to continues to be today, uh, even to this very day. Uh, I see the, uh, the legacy and impact he has had on my life.
0: Yeah. Uh, you mentioned the word business. Update us, tell our audience what you currently are doing.
1: Yeah, I uh, I run a, uh, a marketing agency here in the Tacoma area. Never made it far from the PLU campus. <laughs> uh, that... Tends to to be the case, I I got married to, uh, trivia deal here for you, Ross, Uh, I have been married to Christy, uh, my wife Christy, who I met in Frosty Westring's class, in his coaching (laughs) class. So, Frosty would repeatedly say, Doug, I'm I'm going a million miles an hour, I need you to coach my class today. And so, I ended up meeting my wife of 27 years in Frosty's class, uh, one that he attended sporadically (laughs) (laughs) um, yeah so anyway we uh, we are still here in the Tacoma area have an amazing team um, and we live in the university place area we've got four kids and also just added a new grandbaby to our oldest daughter about a month old so life is good good. good.
0: so let's take your life back to this this icon uh, winning, one of the winningest coaches in college football. Mm. And arguably one of the college coaches that had the greatest impact on his players beyond the football field. Yeah, agreed. So let, let's dig a little bit deeper into Doug Burton, the 18, 19-year-old. When you first became aware of Frosty Westering, tell me about that. Tell us about that.
1: Yeah, so I, I played for my father down in uh, Oregon City High School, down south of Portland. And my first year as I graduated from high school, I, I was um, uh, I was a very average high school football player. Uh, was probably better simply because of my association with my dad as a legendary coach, right? The, the name preceded my talent.
0: We're speaking of Ed Burton, yep. who in his own rights, very successful wrestling and football coach. Yeah, so you were raised up in a coach's family.
1: I, w- I was, and I'll, we can kind of come back to that full circle because uh, my father pre-Frosty Western and my experiencing at PLU uh, versus what he was as a coach after that mm-hmm. are very stark differences. So yeah. I'll, I'll come back to that, but yep. uh, finished high school, uh, I go down to Humboldt State University to play Division two ball. and. Ross, we could summarize it by saying it was the worst possible experience you could ever have coming Mm. from a very disciplined, solid program to an absolute train wreck of a program. Mm. From drugs and crime and racism and steroids, it was was awful. And so I went down there and and in just a short season where I redshirted, was really lost, disillusioned about what, what is this college football deal all about? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was done. I wasn't, I, I wasn't going to uh, continue my career there. And so halfway through that first year, I was trying to figure out what plan B was. And I was committed yeah. to in, sticking it out. I was going to stay there. I wasn't going to bail. But uh, I started to try to figure out what my options were. And started asking around, and uh, actually the year before that, PLU had won the national championship, so they were kind of a, on a buzz. But again, I wasn't recruited very heavily anywhere, yeah. and so started to kind of figure out uh, what's next. So I, I, my dad says, "Well, Dud, PLU is playing Lewis and Clark on a Saturday. Why don't you drive home after practice on Friday night?" Which was about a twelve-hour drive from Northern <laughs> California. So I finished practice. I jump in my car and I drive almost all night long, and I get to uh, Oregon City on a Saturday morning, and I go with my dad and my mom, maybe there was a couple others, and we go watch PLU play Lewis and Clark in an absolute mud bowl.
0: In at, Portland. In Portland. Yep.
1: And I'm, I'm sitting up in the stands, and I'm, I'm uh, just kind of watching and taking all this in. PLU wins the game. And they're doing their legendary afterglow afterwards, right? Post-game, rah-rah. Ross would love that seeing across the field. So right? here, here you are. Here's
0: your first impression of PLU football, BLU yep. program, Frosty Westering as yeah. leader.
1: Yeah. Right. So we're sitting in the stands at Lewis and Clark, and they're having a great time doing their Attaway cheers and encouraging each other. And I, Ross, I just remember the feeling like, what is, the, <laughs> what is this all about? Because that is not what I had been experiencing even 24 hours before that
0: nor is that the typical college football culture college football scenario college football coach
1: yep so this afterglow they're doing their out-of-way cheers and put-ups and encouraging each other and Mm -hmm. and the the final part of afterglow is they all start all the players start chanting and the next thing i know frosty and his 40-year assistant paul hosef run down onto the field in this just mud bowl. And they are both doing belly slides through the dirtiest part of the sideline. And they come up and the only thing you can see white on them is their eyeballs. And, and I'm watching this going, I just, it was a, like I was in a different world. And I remember driving home going, what is this all about? And trying to, to make sense of it from what I'd been experiencing and what I thought college football was all about to what I had just witnessed on the sideline.
0: So take that afternoon. By the way, I'm visualizing Frosty and Paul, both of which I got to know. Yep. Uh, it's one thing to slide through the mud, but thinking ahead, they each had a three hour bus ride back from yep. Portland to Tacoma, to Parkland. Yeah. So the bus driver might not have been very happy about their attire. Um, True. So that afternoon, Obviously, something piqued your interest. How did you end up coming to see POU in Parkland? How did that take place?
1: So I think that that visit sparked some conversations with Frosty and yep. me saying, hey, I'd love to do this. And again, I, I needed them a whole lot more than they needed me uh, was the reality of it. As much as you want to think that you're desired as a 19-year-old kid or an 18-year-old kid, um, and that started the process of well, I didn't know what I was going to do. I knew I was leaving. I, I had to be you done. Were leaving humble, State. Leaving that Humboldt was a State. Given. That was a given. Yeah. And so I kind of start this transfer process. I start talking and and end up on the PLU campus that spring as a transfer student. Had missed the season, but got to be involved in spring ball and um, yeah, kind of started my journey on campus. So,
0: you see this guy leading cheers and laying himself out in the mud but when you actually got on campus that first spring that first semester what were your first impressions of frosty up a little bit closer Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because you were interacting with the team you were on the team you're interacting with frosty what were your impressions at that point
1: yeah well kind of an embarrassingly funny story is uh i'm I'm on campus for probably a week and they're going to have a spring football meeting and they packed the entire team into a small little classroom in, in the gymnasium area. And they were going to have some of the transfer students and a couple guys that were new on campus stand up and introduce themselves. And it's I laugh about it because it's it's so not who I was, but okay. what I thought I needed to be yeah. as a college football guy. Yeah. So I'm sure I had the mullet game going strong, and the hair was long, and I may have even had a, a bandana on my head. and. and I stood up on my chair and, and I said something like, um, you know, my name is Doug Burton, I'm a transfer. I probably even tried to lower my voice and sound tough and bow my <laughs> neck. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I said something to the effect of, I'm, I'm uh, coming to POU because I'm tired of getting my bleep kicked and I want to win some games. Mm-hmm. Which if you have any idea about the POU culture, winning was not something you talked about. It just wasn't. It was a byproduct of the program, not something you talked about. Well. You know, a hundred guys erupt in cheers, and I think, God, I nailed it. They, I got it. And really what it was was they were kind of laughing. Of, well, as Frosty would say, Doug, you don't know, you don't know. <laughs> and I think that began the journey of me trying to figure out yeah, yeah, yeah. what that program was all about, how I was going to fit into it with what I had pretended to be, not who I truly was. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, that took me a long time, Ross. I um, don't. I, I, really I did.
0: That is labelable that it would, because there again, Frosty's methodology, his approach to coaching, his approach to team, his approach to winning, mm-hmm. as you mentioned as a byproduct, is atypical of most Very much so. team and most athletic, most competitive environments. His approach was entirely, I mean, yeah. significantly different. Yep. Let's move to this. Talk about, as you, you were there, you spent four competitive seasons. So when you look back on that, when it came to team, the culture, emphasis, and, and Lord knows, PLU football teams won a lot of games. Mm-hmm. So something had to have been going right. Yeah. And in that regard, what would be the, how would he say it, what were the influences that you just know now looking back? That Frosty wanted to implant, infuse, inject, mm-hmm. uh, put into yeah. his players, in that the team would emulate yeah. those character, those qualities. Yeah.
1: What would those be? So, so I would say the the two core things that I think were part of the culture at PU as I arrived. And what made it so difficult to understand, because it was such a contrast to what I think the world is today and what I had clearly experienced at Humboldt State. And that first one was uh, a serve and not be served attitude. So when you were a teammate, um, it wasn't there's no I in team, it was um, a teammate serves and comes in low and lifts and elevates others. Uh, whether they're playing in front of you, whether See, you listen, think you listen, are. Let's, let's are,
0: pause, let's pause. Yeah. Back it up, say it again. Yeah. A teammate comes in low and serves yeah. to elevate others. Yeah. So not was, about me, yeah, about others.
1: Yeah. yeah, and so you'd even call it, Frosty would call it playing through your guy. So if I'm, if I'm a backup, instead of me complaining about it, going to the coach and, and coming up with a bunch of excuses of why I'm not playing. Unhappiness. Un- unhappiness. dream culture. Yep. My job is to play through that guy and make him better. Mm-hmm. And it's such a, a, a contrast yep. to the, the what the world says and what I think so much of our society is in sports at every level and just culture-wise. And that was hard to buy into. It was hard to understand. How am I going to... Get mine. How am I going to be elevated if I'm if my job is to serve and elevate others? So that was one of them because that was a that was a tough deal. That was also modeled in not on the field, but in the way that you conducted yourself when you were in someone else's locker room, when you were um, at a restaurant on a team deal. Uh, you were going to find you were going to leave it better than you found it. And if there was a, I mean, I I have seen Frosty lose his absolute mind over not taking care of the character type of things like picking up after yourself, blessing your opponent. Uh, You taunted somebody, you did, I mean, your butt was on the bench so fast. Regardless of what the talent level was, it didn't matter. So I think part of that was, that was permeated not in the just on the field and the way you treated teammates it was the way you conducted yourself in the community in the way that you uh you know the character that you exemplified so
0: over the course of your four years um, you play there you finish and when you look back now and you say what were your greatest your most significant takeaways mm-hmm. from your experience there yeah. and not only yours, but for example, in this world today of social media, yeah. I see former PLU players who post on social media, some of which are in coaching. Jim yeah. Shapiro, who's a good friend of yours. Yes. Wonderful a wonderful, very coach. successful coach at King at King's High School, Seattle, others as well. And they all continue to popcorn up what it is mm-hmm. that Frosty put into them, yeah. what they took away. So talk to us about the takeaways. Yeah. And here you are now, a couple of decades later, and owner of a business, family man, father, husband, uh, community leader, and these takeaways are with you now. That's yeah. why they're called a takeaway. Yeah. What are
1: those? Yeah. Well, I would, say, um, I would say the one would be creating a culture in any organization, whether it be business, my agency, whether it be a football program, whatever. Uh, setting and establishing culture and maintaining culture starts with the leader. So if the leader's not modeling what their expectations are about yeah. serving others, coming in low, um, character being significant, and more important, winning being a byproduct of doing things correctly in the right way. Mm-hmm. Um, if the leader doesn't start and lead and, and, and be the first uh, example of that, you'll never create culture. Mm-hmm. Jim Shapiro has built a program at King's because Jim goes first. It, he models it in the way that he leads and the way that he blesses his opponent. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think that's the one would be, it starts with, it starts so with the leader. A, from
0: a business application standpoint, business has got 10 employees, got 50 employees, 500 employees, Culture is important, relative to size of organization. Culture is still important. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So in addition to creating culture, another takeaway—what would it be?
1: Yeah, I would say, myself as a player when I came to PLU, um, and I think it happens with a lot of players today, uh, and a lot of athletes, a lot of business people—is there is a there is a fear of failure. There is a fear to hang it out there and make mistakes to. Drop the ball, and what the culture appeal you did, and Frosty was a genius at this. And I, I, I there was really has is, is been nobody better at it in my opinion. Is Frosty? He was not an X's and O football genius. Frosty was a genius at at, and his model was there is no fear in love, mm-hmm. and when you believe that you uh, are not going to be berated, uh, embarrassed. Uh, you start to believe that you can do things that you could, because you're not afraid of failure. Mm -hmm. And Frosty was a genius at molding and shaping and and pouring into players that they weren't afraid to fail. Mm -hmm. They weren't afraid to lose because winning was a byproduct of just doing things the right way. So it didn't matter how much we were down. We believed that we were going to play. It didn't matter if you made a mistake. Um, And so I would say Frosty teaching players that there there's not a fear in failure allowed you to play at a level where he called it a total release where you could just hang it out there Mm -hmm. and your teammates weren't going to turn on you Mm -hmm. your coaches weren't going to turn on you you were never going to be embarrassed Mm -hmm. you were never going to be um uh, put down but rather built up Mm -hmm. and so there was a freedom in that that you played with and i think great organizations do that in culture They allow people to not be afraid of failing and making mistakes because you know you're going to pour into them. You're going to serve them. You're going to lift them up and elevate them in spite of mistakes. Uh, And people just perform at a higher level. I think when I finally got on the field and started to perform, I was doing things that I didn't know that I had the capability of doing Mm. because I believed that I wasn't going to... that it was okay to make mistakes and hang it out there. So you play at, a, at kind of that total release high level.
0: You made uh, I caught a little phrase there, no fear in love. Mm-hmm. So talk to us about the culture related to love within a team. Yeah, I, I hear you know coaches sometimes or athletes after the a team has won a championship. Sometimes you'll hear the expression, well. This was a unique group of people. We came together, we loved one another, cared about each other. Yeah. At PLU, that fear, no fear in love, talk to more about that.
1: Yeah, well, I think it comes from the, the, the first thing I started with. When you are serving others and lifting them, lifting them up and elevating and celebrating their successes, um, in turn, you've got 100 people doing that same thing for you. So you think about it, when you're giving away, look what comes back to you. you um, there's
0: one giving away, there's 99 uh, giving back. And
1: so I, I had players, mm-hmm. I think one of the things that, and a great example of that would be, I had a, I had a, a, an upperclassman that I was competing for a job with, right? We were in the same position, and culture today would say, do everything you can to one-up him, to best him, to, yeah. Uh, outperform to um, celebrate in his lack of success so that you're elevated. And when I had opportunities to play, he was my biggest fan. When I came off the field, he was coaching me. He was pouring into me. He was encouraging me if things were going tough, celebrating me with me. How how can you not perform at a level when you have people in your corner cheering you on and saying, here's what you can do, not what you can't do? I think that's one of the things that I've tried so much to, to emulate in my business mm-hmm. is helping people, we call them superpowers, thrive in their superpowers, encourage them when there's flat spots or areas that they need to improve on, cheering them on and, and uh, encouraging them to grow in those areas. And And it's so fun because they're, they're, they're starting to do things that they didn't think they could do previously. So speaking of
0: fun, before we move on to what... You carry with you today, mm-hmm. as a husband, father, businessman. Um, let's talk just for a couple of moments about Frosty the person. Yeah. Um, I remember seeing him in public, and I would see him, stocking black and gold, black and yellow gold stocking cap, and yeah. uh, not the not the typical looking coach either. Yeah. And uh, so Frosty the person. Uh, what would you like to be around?
1: Yeah, uh, it's funny because you know when you're in a fraternity and a, and a brotherhood of a program like yep, that, yep. you know, we there was a lot of teasing of frosty jokes and funny things. He was yep. a he was a cornball at and times. He took those well. Oh, he he laughed. Yeah, uh, he really he laughed because he knew it was part of it. He could laugh yep. at himself, and yep. so I think the the ability of him to do goofy stuff and to laugh and to Take time and be very deliberate to have perspective. So there's the stories are legend they have stopping practice in the middle of playoff week to have popsicles and give cheers to the you know inanimate objects and in the mountain and whatever. Just goofy stuff. That when you when I see players that I played with, those are the things that we remember. Yeah. I don't remember the touchdowns, I don't remember the wins or the scores, and you yeah. just forget yeah. those. Yeah. But yeah. those moments of of. Just laughter and joy and bonding and relationship are what we all hold on to, and Frosty was a master at that he his I, I swear he he sat down and strategically figured out those goofy moments and half of them were just happened and half of them were very intentional planning of i'm just going to uh, make space for fun and laughter and just being real and it really was it was. It was, it was
0: life-changing. Yeah, I believe, you know, Frosty had a military background. He's a Marine, wow. right? Yeah. But in addition, I think he studied sports psychology. Mm-hmm. So yes. he studied human performance above and beyond what most... For football coaches, a lot of us, I'm one of them, we get very ingrained in the X and O's and how to teach the techniques yeah. and coach the positions and all the different, the strategic parts of the game. Yep. It seemed to me like frosty was more concerned about the strategic parts yeah. of people yeah not the game
1: I, I honestly and i'm sure it happened more than i remember and i do not have memories of frosty coaching me on technique mm. x's and o's None schemes i i just don't remember that happening and i know that was there and i mean i i'm not marginalizing his football acumen and all that but yeah. um what I remember is him being absolutely strategic and coaching me on every single point of attitude, um, responding to adversity, how we were going to do it. If you drop a pass, what did he say to you? And how did he encourage you coming off the field? Now, I, I will tell you, there were some tough love moments yeah. uh, where Frosty would hand you your lunch. I mean, and But you knew it was in love. Yeah. Give us yeah. the
0: expression... Doug, that might be you, but that's not us. Explain about that.
1: I think I just twitched a little bit when you (laughs) said that. There were early, especially early on in my career, and I think anybody that was a part of the PLU program would have those moments where he'd say with a stern drill sergeant type of deal, that may be you, Doug, but that's not us. Mm. And what he was saying was is that's not okay. You're acting like you, which is about you, and, and that's not us. And I'm not going to tolerate it. It's not okay. And you knew when you got that. And there were a few other comments as well. Yeah. But you knew that that was real. And that you needed to look in the mirror and figure out what was going on.
0: And that concept right there is counterculture, because oh, yeah. culture. Because uh, culture is that we watch out for ourselves. Yep. And if we've got some left over, we may uh, share with somebody else. Yeah. But first and foremost, Frosty's approach was... No, that's not us. We are about the other. Yeah. We're about serving. We're not about, you know, who we are. Yeah, totally. It's who we are collectively. Yeah. So with that as a backdrop, let's move it into today. Yeah. When you awaken each morning and you journey through a day, what part of Frosty lives on in you that your employees see here, your wife hears, she, your children have... Mm have been influenced by his influence on you. So what part of Frosty lives in his former players today?
1: Um, You know, I'd I'd love to tell you that my business success or or things that have happened in my career that were positive were a result that I was a smart guy or Mm -hmm. I had it all figured out. I think for me it is um, that that serve and not be served mentality. Um, I think my my teams or people that would be around me um, in anywhere anywhere I go would say that I'm the first one to take out the trash. I'm the you first are. one to I've pick up. I've seen it. The, I've seen it. And that that's not just about those types of tasks. It's about wanting to see people that are entrusted to my leadership uh, elevated and successful mm-hmm. and making it about them, not about me. Mm-hmm. Uh, my name's not on the side of the building. I don't want the company named about me because it's not about me. And so I think for me as a leader, trying to emulate that mindset that, that was ingrained into the culture at PLU of serve mm-hmm. and not be served um, doing that in my community, doing that with kids that I coach, uh, when Ross, mm-hmm. when you and I have had opportunities to coach, there's nothing better than seeing a player come in and you being able to serve and love on and encourage yeah. and watch them have success beyond what they dreamed possible. I think for me that's something that I've held on to and um, I think. Hopefully that's the legacy piece that I've carried on Um, and then I think Ross it's one of the reasons why I've been so endeared to you as an influence in my life and a mentor in my life is um, speaking life into others. Frosty did that well that culture did well he told me who I was and who I could be instead of reminding me of the shortcomings and where I missed the mark. Because it would have been really easy to give up on that kid that came in that was pretty calloused and, and honestly was pretty wounded. Um, it would have been easy to talk about all the things that I wasn't, mm-hmm. rather than them him seeing in me who I could be mm-hmm. and and pouring and investing into me to see that come to fruition.
0: And that and that, that is a direct connection, correlation to, my book, Winning Words, because yeah. the theme of the book is repetition over and over, the, the, the power of the influence, but the power of encouragement as compared to discouragement. Mm-hmm. I mean, Frosty could have caught you falling short time and time and time again. It reminds you He caught me time, a few times, yeah, but, <laughs> more than once. But I would suspect he caught you doing things well. And he affirmed that more often than he did discourage. And and so much of life for all of us, Uh, you know, as spouses, we can either encourage or discourage our spouse. As fathers, we can encourage or discourage our children. As business leaders, we can either encourage or discourage our employees. And so it's a choice. And his methodology, his psyche was to encourage, yeah. to lift people up, prepare them for what they could be as compared That's to right. limit them based upon what they fell short in.
1: Absolutely. Uh,
0: let's, uh, what else, is there anything else that, you know, and I appreciate very much you coming on to talk about yeah. this, because I really think in our world today, we need much more of the frosty Westeringism, so to speak. Yeah that culture and that mindset that we lift people up and that we we don't follow the conventional way because Frosty was not conventional at all. Yeah. He was atypical in lots and lots of ways, but so successful and so revered mm-hmm. by his his players and fellow coaches. So is there anything else that you, in preparation for this, that I didn't ask you that you just think is, I gotta throw this out there. Yeah, Add in what, what you want as we wrap this up.
1: Yeah, um, there's a, a tagline I use all the time or a saying all the time, you've actually even uh, referenced it, I think in some of your other t- podcasts or whatever, but that, make it a great day. Yeah. So Frosty used to always say, make it a great day. Mm. Just make it a great day. Yeah. And I would say that is not just a saying, it's it's a, it's a mindset. Mm-hmm. And so I think one of the things that I learned is regardless of adversity, challenge, setbacks, losses, failure, um, I've gotten it wrong as many times as I've gotten it right over the last 30 years since I was at PLU. Um, making it a great day has everything to do with the the, the way that you view opportunity, the way that you ad- you view adversity, view life, uh, view life. And in, yep. and in the last couple of years, hey Ross, we've we've had a world that it it's sometimes you got to make it a great day yep. because it's hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I think that mindset and and that. Um, mantra of make it a great day for me has been one of how am I going to respond to adversity? Mm-hmm. How am I going to respond to setbacks and business closures and loss of clients? Whatever that may be, economy is not woe is me. How am I going to respond? Yeah. And it's been it's been a game changer for me really for my entire business career as a dad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, parenting is an adventure. <laughs> yes. Parenting isn't all easy, yeah. Yeah. and
0: parenting, particularly in your situation, girls and a son, and the difference therein. So it's not a, it's not simple, and sometimes sure. it's trial by error, trial by fire. <laughs> yes. but yet you keep on, yep. and you believe that your good's going to come out. Yeah,
1: of yeah. keep on, for us to keep on keeping on. Yeah. He's line, got right? more sayings. You know, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Um, I'll, uh, this is so atypical too. Uh, my first year at the University of Pudence Sound, we played BOU. We got beat soundly. Second year, lost a real close game in the Tacoma Dome. Third year, we beat them. And the game was played on a Thursday night. And on Monday, I had a note in the mail from Pacific Lutheran University. And I'm hmm. like, why would I get a note from POU? Yeah. You know what it was? It was a handwritten note from Frosty Westry congratulating me yeah. on the way our team played in defeating them. Now, yeah. in it's all my deal. years of coaching, I've gotten one note from a former coach after a game. Yeah. After defeating them. Yeah. Frosty yeah. Western.
1: Yeah. I think that's the that's the common thread of yeah. all of this is yeah. um, thinking you know, about others
0: yeah be sensitive to others yeah yeah a blessing plot, your opponent applaud right. others blessing yeah. your opponent yeah. something that tim kuykendall talks about yeah. all, a mutual friend of ours yeah. uh and he would be a, a, a frosty westry disciple right. believer right. in yeah
1: track but, that uh, legacy back so kuykendall yeah. is a scotty kessler you know, disciple, yeah. Scotty Kessler, former, you know, amazing PLU football, legendary type of guy on the field and off. Uh, it's, it's so amazing to watch the legacy yeah. and just the, yeah, yeah, yeah. the ripple effect that that has. Um, as, as, that's a Ross Joseph ripple effect, well, my friend. I, I Doug, know you don't like making this about you, but yeah, no, you this, have that same legacy. Yeah.
0: And, and uh, my passion in this whole thing is I just feel like we're in a world right now that needs a lift, that needs an atypical pat on the back. That's right. An atypical encouragement, a yes you can, a we will, and we we can do it together. You know, together everyone achieves more, all the different acronyms. Mm -hmm. But the bottom line is, Frosty was a guy I gotta believe, because I remember looking at your roster, and I (laughs) I didn't necessarily see well, this guy was an all-conference. This guy, and he was the best all-state player, blah, blah, yep. blah. But collectively as a group, yep. played extremely well. Yep. Not week in and week out. Year in and yep. year out. Yep. So Doug, thanks for being with us. This too is in entirely in alignment with our theme and winning words, influencing others. And again, as we come to the end of this year, think this thought. 2022 around the corner. If each one of us could take one of these little teachings, these little nuggets from Frosty Westering's life and apply it in the coming year to serve, to lift others up, to catch people doing things well, to smile and to acknowledge, affirm, believe in. Just think, a year from now, the end of 2022, the world's a better place. Because we, in my opinion, we need more of the frosty Western type influences on people. More love, less hate, more care, less disregard, more lifting up as compared to tearing down, more unity as compared to division. So Doug, I I appreciate very much you uh, speaking, you know it well, you Mm -hmm. lived it for four years plus, you've continued to live it all these years later, decades later. Try my best. Yeah, well, you're you're doing just (laughs) fine. So we just wanna thank you all for being with us. And again, closing in on the end of 2021, collectively, let's use the Frosty westerings. let's use Winning Words, let's use the influence we have to lift others up and make this world a better place, the place God wants it to be.
1: Make it a great day.
0: Make it a great day. (laughs) Thanks for being with us in this session of Winning Words where we speak life to influence others.